Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. You like that? You like that? You like that, Kirk Cousins? Now your offensive line is officially depleted for the year because Nick Easton's out for the season, according to... A report from Adam Schefter, he had surgery this morning to repair a herniated disc in his neck, and he's not going to play in 2018. Kirk doesn't like that, not at all. No, he does not, nor should he. You like that? You like that? All right, Dave's got some questions for us. Let's do this. And even before this news, you guys were debating earlier, discussing about Kirk Cousins, how he should be used in the preseason, perhaps sit him out all of Game 1 instead of Game (laughs) 4, play him a little later, maybe... Offensive line gets a little more healthy, get them full speed reps closer to week one of the regular season. I want to know what you would do on the other side of the ball. You've got a defense that's mostly the same guys as mm-hmm. it's been, save for adding Sheldon Richardson, another guy or two, but guys that have been there, guys that know the drill, and guys that are superstars in the league. You could say Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, Everson Griffin. We all know the names. For those big-name guys, how would you use them in the preseason? What should be the plan? I would barely play them. I would, In fact, I would ask them because it, it really communication is not going to be a thing that you're working on as much. It's the same guys. You're not facing elaborate scheming offenses. Offenses are just trying to get their reps into. So, uh, so even like the film study that goes into those preseason games is very minimal. I call it vanilla. That's my own term. Vanilla, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an original way to describe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Don't tip your hand. Don't show your concepts. So I would say as, as much playing time as they need to feel like they're out on the field and they're able to tackle and you know they've, they've t- done some tackling in practice, but this is their first chance to actually really go hit somebody. So I would ask the guys on defense, and maybe it's different for Linval Joseph than it would be for Harrison Smith than it would be for Trey Waynes, but all right, how, many, how many snaps do you need? How, how many times do you need to actually physically hit somebody to feel like you're ready for the NFL season? And uh, beyond that, I don't know how much offensively, there's all kinds of things to work on timing and figuring out how somebody rounds off a route and all those things. Defense, it's all reactive. And what are you reacting to? Not a whole lot. I barely play him. Kirk Cousins gave you your answer actually in in his answer um, yesterday when talking about this defense, which is they have the ability right now to, to play off each other, to basically change plays, and they don't miss one thing by doing so. Therefore, they don't need to play in games one one and two. This goes back to the whole thing of let's rethink how this is done. Like this defense knows each other really well. They don't need a ton of game time because they've had that. 
And let's rethink, is it worth trying to get them sharp in games one and two? And the answer is absolutely not. So I would, if I was coach of this team, I'd definitely play them uh, probably probably for a half to get their feet wet in preseason game uh, three. And I might, if I if things don't look right, play them a little bit in game four. But one and two to me would be all about developing the the position battles for the bottom of the roster. And this defense knows each other. They don't need a lot of time to gel. You like that? You like that? Former NFL tight end Martellus Bennett was on Doug Gottlieb's show and was asked, you've played with Brady, you've played with Rodgers, who'd you like better? He said, Aaron can do pretty much anything he can with the ball, but I feel like Tom is precise and easier to play with. Hmm. That was how he put it. He's a little better communicator, he says. They're both brilliant, they're both great, but Tom is easier to play with. Yep. Helps when you're not hurt and a crybaby when you were in Green Bay, but that's yep. fine. My question to you guys, I'll give you the choice. Rodgers or Brady, if you're a pass catcher for one season, who do you choose? Rodgers. For me, I love. I mean, Tom's great. Tom's fantastic. Tom's Tom. a great. Tom. Tom. Tom's a great quarterback. Um, Bennett is is biased because uh, obviously his success came with the Patriots, and he didn't have a success with the Packers. But come on, watch where where Aaron can put the football. It's ridiculous. It's very close. But I think if I had to play one, one game and and I was an elite receiver, it would be Aaron. You know what? I, there is no wrong answer here. Right. I think you're you're fine. I think no, there I, is. It's sports radio. <laughs> you must pick a side. Uh, I would I would think Ponder. that Tom Brady. If you went back in time, I think Tom Brady has made more money for obscure to average wide receivers than Aaron Rodgers has. Therefore, I would pick Tom Brady strictly for financial gain. I mean, Tom Brady. <laughs> t- Tom Brady. So Rodgers definitely elevates guys as well, but. You know, he's had Jordy Nelson as a mainstay for a long time until he, you know, blew out his knee and now he left. Uh, he did get Greg Jennings paid when Greg went to the Vikings. But some of the dudes that pop up in New England, they're just random guys that, like Rex Burkhead. Is he a running back? Is he a receiver? <laughs> no one knows, but he puts up numbers because Tom Brady's awesome. Uh, the, the, whatchamacallit. It might be play calling too. Keep that in mind. I think the Patriots do a better job. Okay, but than, but like but, Mike but Tom does. Brady gets to drive in that car and you get to ride with him. So I'm just saying. Oh, by the way, also, I'm just saying. I'm Tom saying Brady's, Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady's passes are thrown in Super Bowls much more often as well. So I will pick Tom Brady for that reason too. And not in Green Bay nearly as often, which right. is nice. It's cold in Boston, but you guys, but don't, get it. You guys just Boston. don't get dun, da, 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 da. Hey, you get to live in your favorite new town, Judd. Your new favorite town, Boston. That's true. Although I like Green Bay too during football season. Only because the beer is flowing. Oh, the beer is the beer is flowing. Oh, it's so much fun. I feel like Judd could make the beer flow in almost any city here. <laughs> Judd's a good time, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Judd is a good time. There's a liner. We'll use that. Uh, it's a simple question for question number three. Who is more to blame for the loss last night? The rest of the team, the umpiring, or intern Max? Max came to me with a story of how softball went last night. Oh, and I'll wow. let him regale it, but this was the big league championship night. Oh, this was a title game last this night, This was big. You won the semifinal game, right, Max? And then had to play again. Yes. 
What yes. uh, what classification of league is this? Is this the, the top of the top? Or? It's definitely on top of the top. I think it's classified as like sleaze, C slash D. Uh, there's some good teams with some players that actually travel a lot, but there's, they they intermix and yeah. where do you, whatever. Where it's, do you it's, generally it's, bat in the order? Uh, I'm I'm in the sixth. Sixth wow. spot wow. there. Uh, DH for you. I'm one of those guys where you put at the end of the order because you you still want some pop. You know what you are, order. Max. You're the second leadoff hitter. Okay. It, you, yeah. The lineup is in two chunks. You're the second that. leadoff hitter. Yeah. Still want Keep some yourself pop. That. Listen to this guy. Yeah. All right. Here's how the story <laughs> goes. Correct me if I'm wrong, Max. Uh, a, you're the pitcher, right? And you decided it would be okay for your team to employ the five infielder, three outfielder strategy to start the game. Yes. In the all male league you're playing in, and you guys paid the price giving up a lot of early runs, correct? Yes, in the we launch did. angle yes, era, you're pulling an outfielder to the infield. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in the semis, it, it actually paid off, and I think that's why. Okay. You're we, a bunch of idiots. Yeah. You're a bunch of idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Number two. Sixth inning, you were down two runs, bases loaded. I was up. You got up to the plate and yep. grounded out to the second baseman who threw wildly to first, but yes. you were ruled to have been tagged out by an umpire. You feel that was an incorrect call? Yeah, it was It was an absolute blown call. But uh, you still hit a ground ball to second base with two outs and the bases juiced? Yeah. Okay, just yeah. checking. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. That's pretty much all I need to know. They end up losing what sixteen to fourteen. Yeah, oh. it was. It was. Oh, we we got down seven nothing. Uh, we thought it was bad. We made the switch. We went to four outfielders. They end up only getting nine runs for the rest of the the game. All right, well, let's just do this then. No, humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on fifteen hundred ESPN in order of least blame to who should get the most oh, blame. No. The teammates who chose to employ that. Shoddy defense, despite Max's objections. The umpire who blew a call, or Max, who, yes, he may have blew a call, but let's be honest, he's still grounded to second base with the bases you know loading a chance to go ahead if he just hit one over the bleeping fence. You know, Max, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to cite Sabermetrics Here we go. to rank these, okay? Yep. Sabermetrics. One, two. Number three. Number three would be the umpire. There's just going to be a certain percentage of bad calls in C and D League softball that both teams have to deal with. You go into the game and you know that this guy, he's getting paid 40 bucks and he's probably overweight. He's breathing heavy. He's just, it's hot outside. He's sweating. He's going to miss like 15% of the calls, if not more than that. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. it's a blanket disadvantage for both teams. Number two. Number two, I would say team strategy. You know, you got to go. You got to you got to scout your opponent. You got to go game to game. If you got a launch angle team that you're playing against, you want that extra outfielder. But number one, number one, there is a sabermetric statistic called win probability added. What's your percent chance to win the game when you come up to the plate? And then (laughs) what's the percent chance to win the game after your at bat is done? And I think you provided. Major negative win probability oh. added with your bases loaded, high leverage situation ground out in that spot. He tried to go cute and go opposite way. We just hit war? a ringing double in the gap. What's Max's war? That's the question. I, I, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I, I went three for four in the semis, but I'll be honest. With that bad call, I went 0 for 3. Oh, my. In the, in the championship <laughs> game. In the championship game. All right. All right. Go ahead. And I'm not gonna. I, I'm employing just rip them common sense. I'm not employing any sabermetrics here. Number three. I'm going Max third. I mean, the guy's trying out there. 
He's given it his all. He, things are, are going to go wrong. So I'm going Max 3. I'm not blaming Max as much. Number 2. Number 2 is the umpire. If you're going to take the the cash and it might be a small payout, but if you're going to take the cash to work this this random Wednesday night softball league game, <laughs> get the calls right. Don't screw up. Don't be an embarrassment to your yeah. profession. And actually Max off what judge just saying there, you know, it's possible if the ump's only making about 40 bucks, he's not that incentivized to right. go out and call a great game. So oh. I, what I have found in my softball career is if you give him a few extra reasons to maybe lock in and have sure. a good game, at least yeah. for one of the two teams. But you know what this clown was? Angel Hernandez, Joe West, C.B. Buckner, just another clown. Get out of the business if you can't do the job. Number one. Your teammates. I mean, they failed you miserably. They, you You... Didn't do necessarily your best at a time when, when it would have been nice if you had come through in the clutch, Max. Yeah. But your teammates failed you. They well, failed you on decisions. They failed you. In <laughs> fact, I would just quit. I would quit the damn team, and I would say I'm going to start my, my own team for next year. The umpire and you guys are all a bunch of clowns. Now, See you later. No, I'm not T.O. I'm not going to put... It was a team effort decision with going no, with five no, bl- infielders. No, you put them work. under the bus. Blame the them show. now. Dead serious. Blame them now. Don't back off that. This is about you. This is about you, yeah. and you got yeah. screwed. And you got screwed by a system that doesn't work because of the blue and, worst, your own teammates. I also think what's happening here is, you know, Max, you're a, you're life lesson. Be, you're, you're, you're a star athlete. You're starting quarterback at Champlain Park High School, and you said it's sort of CD-level softball. Oftentimes when you hold baseball players at a minor league level too long and they start to feel stale, like what's the point? Why am I still in Triple AA, a right? Syndrome, yeah. I think I think a call-up to A or B oh. might be a good thing for intern Max. I would not want to pitch against A or B players. Because they absolutely rocket the ball. Yeah. You already gave up 16 to a C or a D level squad. <laughs> well, it wouldn't have been 16 Your if we would have played four outfielders. Yep. That, okay, good job. <laughs> that right. that would have been a good life idea. Lesson. The you world don't have is, to throw the ball. The world is trying to screw you. Always point that, that out, Max. <laughs> uh, Matthew Collar will help explain and sort out the fact that the Vikings are down one offensive lineman for the rest of the season. Nick Easton had surgery this morning. We'll come back and talk more. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Obviously, we're excited. Um, Training camp can drag on, too. You know, we're on our 10th practice. We came here early, so 11th or 12th now. And by now, you're ready to change scenery and go play against a different defense. I think schematically... We get too familiar with this defense where we're getting the same looks. We understand it. They know all of our stuff, and it's time to change the script up a little bit and get ready for something different. Come on! Football! Football. Well, that was excited Kirk Cousins before he found out the news from a half hour ago that Nick Easton is out for the season, likely. He had surgery this morning to repair a herniated disc in his neck. Matthew Collar, this is uh, some pretty classic Viking stuff here where you have a really good season and you come up just short and then you hope to carry the torch forward and then things start to crumble. So it's hard for Vikings fans to hear this news and think anything other than here we go again. Well, you know, if it was just any old lineman uh, at any old time, I think it wouldn't be a huge deal. But Vikings fans got a look at what this team is like without Nick Easton last year. And I know that this is not a pro bowler year after year or a big giant freak that everybody notices all the time but 
I think when you saw them try to replace him in the playoffs last season, you saw what his value really was to them throughout the regular season, that he was really good at getting out there for screens, that he's athletic, that he's smart. And Linval Joseph told me yesterday just that he's one of the guys that everyone respects and roots for because of how hard he plays. And it's not that everybody else won't be smart or play hard that they try to fill in with him, but I think that he was doing it really consistently throughout last year, maybe even exceeding the expectations that they had when he won the job over Alex Boone. So now they're forced to scramble and either throw in a fifth-round pick, Danny Isadora, or the veteran Tom Compton, who's never really started, or start making phone calls to the few remaining guys left in free agency. Is that the smart move or, or a trade? My frustration here is is the, also the, the fact that, I mean, we talked about this going back to the draft, and what, this is why you take a guard, and they did not. And now they're paying for it to a certain degree. But is the smart move now to make some phone calls to try and, and make a trade? Because, you know, I mean, we, we saw it. They panicked enough when Easton got hurt in Green Bay last year that Mike moved from what? Mike moved from right tackle to right guard to left guard, and they tried to make that change, and it didn't work. Um, so internally, you can't be completely comfortable, Collar, with, with what you have if you're the Vikings. So what would if you were in Spielman's chair right now, what would you do? I think I would put out a phone call to Jari Evans, who played for the Green Bay Packers last year. He was really, really good uh, with the New Orleans Saints for years, and he's uh, 34, 35 now, so he isn't quite the player that he used to be. But you know, he got thrust into starting duty last year in Green Bay and, and had a pretty solid year, so he could still play. Uh, the other guy out there is Luke Jokel, who's basically a, a bust at this point. He was a number two overall pick. A few years back, and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars decided not to keep him, and then he was picked up by Seattle. And it seems that every offensive lineman who goes to Seattle ends up as a disaster out there. So, I mean, maybe there's some argument that there's still talent there left with Joko, and they could coach him up a little bit. But, you know, we've heard that story a million times. The other guy who's in the conversation, and this is the, the wild card a little bit, is Aviante Collins, an undrafted guy that they signed last year and he got into games a little bit toward the end of the season he's uh, played guard and and tackle out here in training camp so maybe there's a chance they see him as somebody who could emerge through these preseason games but I think if you look at Tom Compton as somebody who you want to start 16 games you're not going to have a very good offensive line the only upside or positive silver lining is just that the left guard position probably isn't the most valuable on the offensive line. It's, it's never easy to lose any offensive lineman, especially one who is key to your scheme and your screens and your running game. But if there is one spot where you said, okay, we've got to take a player off the team, what's it going to be? Uh, aside from kicker or punter, it's probably left guard. Yeah. Would you play Kirk Cousins on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I'd play him, but I wouldn't play him a whole heck of a lot. I, I mean, with three backup offensive linemen, I would probably have him get in there, run some quick screens, or uh, everyone loves the RPOs now, so maybe you'd run a few of those uh, to get the ball out of your hands quickly, a couple of handoffs. Just get out there in a real environment and get the feel for it a little bit with this team. But yeah, I don't want to see a lot of them because the more he plays, the more chance there is that he could get hurt in preseason. And you can survive a lot of things, and I know they did last year, and this team has a funny way of surviving quarterback injuries throughout its history, but... Uh, I don't think you want Trevor Simeon uh, having to be forced into duty this early. So I, I would be very cautious with Kirk Cousins. Purple podcast today, Collar. We're going to fight about oh, this. Yeah. We're going to fight about I this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't tempt faint. Your interior line's missing. 
Your inter- if, if it was just one guy, I'd be fine. But your interior line is gone. It's preseason game one. He's probably going to play right now a series. I wouldn't play him. I, I'd play him in, in the second game, and I, I certainly would play him in the third. But I don't, I don't see that the payoff here for trying to get him in, in tempo with his receivers for, let's say, five plays is going to be worth it. I wouldn't play him. Well, now I don't know if we're going to fight about that really then because it's not like it's not this hardcore stance that I have that he needs to play one series. It's, I mean, I watched Sam Bradford not take any training camp with the Vikings and then beat the Green Bay Packers yep. at home in the first game at U.S. Bank Stadium. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that the preseason means a whole hell of a lot ever to starters and that most of them could skip the whole thing and just be fine. I, mean, I, I expect that that's what they're going to do is to have him go out there and get the feel for running the offense uh, in an actual game, but do, do, does he need to? I mean, I don't think he needs to play any. I mean, when I uh, remember growing up with, uh, I think, you know, watching Jim Kelly, and they'd play him like a series at most, and that would be it. I mean, a lot of these guys with the starting quarterbacks, you don't want to have them out there too much. Uh, maybe that's better for rookies who are trying to win a job or Pat Mahomes who hasn't played a whole heck of a lot in Kansas City. But I don't think Kirk Cousins needs a, a whole heck of a lot of work. I and mean, He's been around the league long enough. So I'm not, I'm not going to fight you tooth and nail on that one. Uh, you can you can find the Purple Podcast, cheap plug here, 1500ESPN.com, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you'd find it if you want to see a – a fight that really won't be a fight uh, if you want to listen to I was looking forward today. to it, so what the heck. Hey, uh, did you, you saw Alvin Kamara's comments, I'm assuming, in Bleacher Report about the Minneapolis Miracle? <laughs> I did, yeah. I like Alvin Kamara a lot. Dude, he's he's awesome. Do you think the Saints would have won in Philadelphia? Uh, you know, I think they would have had a better chance than the Vikings because they have Drew Brees and the Vikings don't. And that was what that game came down to. I know you could tell me all about the defense melting down and how Philly put up, you know, big points and seemed like uh, the Vikings weren't anywhere close to a number one defense. But I guess my response would be right. And that's what Drew Brees has done his whole career is given his New Orleans Saints team a chance to win when their defense doesn't play the best. And that's what Case Keenum did not do that night, that he had key turnovers and not give them any shot once they got down in that game. So, yeah, I, I think they probably would have had a little better of a chance to go into Philly. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what it often comes down to, right? I, I know that Nick Foles ends up winning the Super Bowl, but that team was at home in that situation because their MVP quarterback, Carson Wentz, had had the year that he had. So, you know, I, as well as Breeze had played also in the second half of the game against the Vikings, and that, that guy could pretty much do anything, right? So, uh, yeah, I think they would have had a slightly better chance. And, and I still feel bad for Drew Breeze because in the second half of that Minneapolis Miracle game, he was unbelievable. Yeah. And I felt honored to have watched a player in sports be that good who's an all-time great. And so if you're them, yeah, you, you probably feel exactly the way Elvin Kamara does. He was just willing to say it. So was Zim concerned that, that if he had let Rhodes and Diggs uh, practice yesterday that, that there would, would have been a brawl or what? Because because if these two went, went at it like uh, Chip was saying to us today in the Tuesday practice, that's fantastic. I mean, that's two great players. So w- what's your theory on why he held them out of practice and said it was disciplinary and he, he, didn't, he just wasn't pleased with them? My theory on this is that Zimmer didn't want it to carry over to another day. I mean, okay, it's one day. You guys are competing. You guys are barking at each other. That stuff happens every year in camp between somebody and, yeah, a couple of $70 million guys who are out here competing with still a month to go 
before the season. It says a lot about both players and how much they want it and how irritated Xavier Rhodes was that uh, Diggs not only beat him but then threw the football into the stands. And, you know, for the fans, that was a fun moment too. But I think when it carried over to the walkthrough that maybe Zimmer was like, okay, that's too much, that I don't need anybody getting into a fight here, two of my best players, two of the best players in the league, having this escalate and then having the, you know somebody get hurt. Last year, Laquan Treadwell got in a fight with Anton Exum and ended up getting injured and had to miss half the preseason. So, you know, I, I think that that's probably where Zimmer decided to draw the line. Of course, Zimmer had very little to say about it, so I can't say for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were also talking in the 9 o'clock hour just uh, about the difference between where an offense is at and where a defense is at. And I don't you know, let's let's actually while you're here, let's play the full soundbite because this is really interesting stuff from Kirk Cousins. It's about a minute long, and it's not often a quarterback opens up like this to the media. And so this is Cousins talking about the gap between offense and defense at this point in the season. I think the first thing that comes to mind is just their continuity. Um, you know, if I make a check, they make a check because they're all on the same page. One time in OTAs, and I believe you all were here this day, I saw they were bringing a pressure. I made a check to have an answer. Well, they then checked to get out of the pressure, so then I was left stuck with a play that's not very good versus their max zone coverage. And I went over to Coach Zim afterwards, and I said, tell me a little bit about what is going on there. And he said, well, they're not supposed to do that. They were supposed to leave the play on, but they've been playing together for so long, and they're so dialed in that even if the play clock's running down or even if you're getting your check out quickly, they know one hand signal, one word, and everybody knows what to do. I think that's the hard part because that's, you know, when you have a brand new quarterback, brand new offensive coordinator, we can't say the same thing on offense. So uh, the continuity, in addition to all the talent they have, I think helps them play at a high level. So could you make a case that the Vikings offense and Kirk Cousins get more value out of practicing against that defense on a daily basis than in any of these preseason games coming up? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the preseason games are – nobody's playing any sort of real scheme when you go. They're, they're not blitzing. They're rarely stunting up front. I mean, they're just going to play the most basic of the basic coverages, get a little man press out there, and that's going to be about it. And so I don't – that's another point of going back to, like, Kirk Cousins isn't really getting a whole lot out of starting this game other than just sort of – standing inside of an actual football stadium with a jersey on again, or a real jersey instead of a practice one, and he can get hit. But other than that, he doesn't get a whole lot out of it. I think what you also hear in that soundbite a little bit is some of the value of keeping Anthony Barr, if they decide to do that, will be that Barr is the guy who makes the calls on defense. And if Mike Zimmer is in Rick Spielman's office barking at him to get Anthony Barr signed. That's why that this defense is not only the most talented, but it's also the smartest and the one that's played together for a long time. And it's very rare that you keep a defense together for for a long time that they're at the top of the league. But the way you do it is keep everybody, right? I mean, that's like we're, that was how Seattle did it. That was how Baltimore did it. They year after year they had all the same players and they were playing a lot of the same defenses. It's also very easy to add new wrinkles when everyone already knows the defense, so you could just say, okay, we're only going to work on this because you've got everything else down. It's a major benefit. And, yeah, I think, I mean, ultimately, Cousins probably does get quite a bit out of those real game type of situations where the defense knows exactly what it's going to do and probably gets better on a daily basis because he's going up against them. I know that that's a big conversation with individuals. 
Like, Diggs is better because he gets to go up against Rhodes. And Elfline is better because he gets to face Linval Joseph. It's a, it is one of the major benefits of having one of the best defenses in the league. Matthew Cumber, there are 12 NFL preseason games tonight. 12 games to dissect on the schedule. Football. How excited are yes, you? there is. How excited um, are you by that? Well, you know, the, the one thing that's unfortunate is that practice goes later tonight. So it ends at 7, which means I probably won't be home until earliest 8. So I'm going to miss some of the first teams. But that's when it gets really good, though, when it's those guys who are undrafted or sixth-round picks out there fighting for position. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a great night. Yeah, just sit there late fourth quarter, oh, you're just, free season. You're just deep in the weeds. Guys we've never heard of, but that Matthew's watched yep. film on. Guys, yes. 75 to 90, who's going to make it, who's not, who's going to move off those rosters? So, Glorious. Instead of, a, instead of a jacuzzi, I just have a big giant bucket of footballs yep. that I jump in right before football. I hope you have your swim trunks on. Because I'm afraid you don't. Oh, my God. On that oh note, all right, Matthew Collar. <laughs> See you out there, Collar. Bye. See you guys. 1500ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast. Twins threatening here. Miguel Sano hit a little tapper that I think Lindor, was it Lindor that barehanded it at shortstop and threw it almost into the camera well? So he's on second base, top of the second, no score. Kluber versus Barrios, first team to two runs today, right? Yeah, this is fun. Good matchup. And it's matinees. These guys are both pretty pretty quick workers. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. The- Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. If you two are finished comparing sizes. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I love Roycey. Roycey's on vacation this week. He just ripped me. Is he on staycation? He's, he's, yeah, he oh yeah. He didn't go anywhere? Yeah, no, he didn't go anywhere. He's, just, he's listening to the show on staycation. Uh, panic at his optimum, meaning you. Yes. Vikings can't play Cousins for series at Denver due to injuries on offensive line. He's saying, like, that's what your take is. Right. Uh, Judd threat alert level, Scarlet. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's a good point by me. You think something won't go wrong? You think if the Vikings tempt faith, something won't go wrong? You haven't watched this team long enough if you don't think something's going No, everyone wrong. thinks something's going to no, go I wrong. Know. It's the Vikings. It's I just know. funny. Your natural disposition is to freak well, out. Can you you just want to let it happen. Can you blame me? I grew up here. I've seen this I've seen this play before. Yeah, I think to what Dave said, your viewpoint here and what the Vikings should do, it's not going to like make something great happen for them. It's just delaying the inevitable. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> a cousin's torn labrum and ACL And if he the gets hurt, play. I'm going to look like a genius on Monday if they played him. And if he tears the ACL week one of the preseason versus two, three, four, whatever it is, yep. that's just more rehab time for next year. <laughs> and the later you do it, the more behind that's the true. eight ball you are for 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're saying he, if, if he's going to do it, he might as well do it on Saturday night. Yes. Because then he'll have plenty of time to be ready. Get for, it done early. For year, for year uh, two of that contract. Yes. It's, okay. the, it's you know similar, but you know kind of the same mindset towards having a young pitcher. Just get that Tommy John early in your career. You'll be better at the end of it. Yeah. Same thing, just on a shorter scale. It's true. It is remarkable with this team, though. Like, it is off the charts remarkable how you can... How how you have these successful years, and then the next year, it's just, I don't even know. Yeah. If, I mean, it's not like they, they haven't played a game no, yet, right, so right. in fairness. But, but, it's the, but it's the erosion, right? It's the erosion that you start to see. Nick Easton gets hurt. Like, 
out of nowhere. Last fr- Friday, he leaves the practice field, and now he's out for the season. Here's the other thing, though. So it's I'm gonna, the script. I'm going to play. Uh, I'm going to play Homer here. Be positive for a second, because we because we do this with like Nick Easton devastating loss, right? Well, three or four years ago, I'm trying to think of when Nick Easton first popped up. Somebody else got hurt or was ineffective, and it was like, oh god, now they got to play Nick Easton. That's probably right? Brandon Fusco, right? Oh, Fusco's out there, screwed. Now they got to lean on Nick Easton. Somebody else is on the roster, probably not highly touted, that should be able to sit in there at left guard. You're not on an island at left tackle. It's not center. Sure. And uh, and hold their own, right? If, if there was one of those positions along the offensive line, you would choose right or left guard and take just, your chances putting a 300-pounder in the middle there somewhere. You would just like to see them, at least if they're going to get guys hurt like this, get to the, the first preseason game. It's like training camp. It would make you feel better if you already if you, if you herniated a disc in the <laughs> it's first like preseason training camp, game. I'm just saying the two 2010, You'd be calm the the next 2010 script played out how Sidney Rice shows up on the pup list. He can't play. It's just like you would like to see if guys are going to get hurt. You'd like to see it in the normal progression, not a guy going on a pro- Friday practice and now he can't play for the season. There's a normal injury progression. Well, here, okay. There's when when did we when did we first know about his herniated or his neck issue? Not till did it is it something that happened or was it a, de- a deterioration? We have no idea. I have no idea. I guess we my no question clue. would be. Could this have been sniffed out in February? Well, or he had sir. He broke his ankle or leg in the Packer yeah. playoff game, and at that point in time, I think he had surgery. And I don't think we had any idea. No, I think this just happened. Like I, I don't think this was a miss. I think he just got hurt. And if, if it was, if, if he was predisposed to it, we didn't know about it. It's just, it's remarkable with this team how after successful years, the next year just seems to always play out with this. Just a list of things going wrong. Perhaps it'll end now. Who knows? I hope for their sake it does. It should be a fun. It should be a fun year. I wish no ill will. I hope things go well from here on out. Yeah, you do kind of wish ill no, will. No, I don't. I'm just used to it. Because you like to be right. You'd you'd rather at the end of the year be able to sit on top of your perch and say, "Okay, see, told you you should have drafted Will Hernandez." Okay. Right, Dave? In your mind, this is basically the Vikings paying up to the football gods yes. for getting to the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum as their quarterback. Right? Uh, no, no, no. This is the Vikings paying the football gods for for a lot of people who are fans on draft night s- sitting there saying, okay, cool, take a guard now. Take a guard now. <laughs> or take a cornerback. Okay, cool. Trade up in the second round for a guard now. You take a project tackle and you don't tra- tra- trade up. That's That's where... First guesses that are this obvious to me are frustrating to watch a team that's this close to being a Super Bowl type of team whiff on. So I wish no ill will on people individually here, and I don't want to see guys get hurt, but it is frustrating to watch what seems to be the obvious thing, and not just me. I mean, Collar, I think Phil, a lot of people said, oh, okay, you're going to take a guard here. And Rick, Rick can't help himself. He's got to get cute. So Rick's being smited by the football gods. Oh, yeah. I do believe in he that. He thumbed his nose I do at believe what, in the, that. what the gods said he needs to do next. Yes, he said, I, I be- know better than you. I believe in karma. Yeah. Okay. I believe karma bites you square in the ass when you get too cute. <laughs> say it. What? Say it to Rick. Karma's a what? Say it. You want to say it? I wouldn't use that word. <laughs> I wouldn't use that word on radio. You're dying to say There's it to Rick. Children listening. <laughs> There's children listening. There's children listening right now. If we could only no be so listening. lucky that... I'm not going to use that word. That's a very, that's not a nice word. I just it's just a little bit frustrating to watch play out. All right. Karma's a karma's a doozy. 
Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. Registration is underway for the 37th edition of the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon running from downtown Minneapolis to the state capitol grounds in St. Paul on Sunday, October 7th. Accomplish a bold feat while savoring the scenic beauty as two cities cheer you on. Run the most revered event in Minnesota running, the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon. Details, 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Thank you, Dave. Uh, twins update. Yonder Alonso just jacked one to the uh, the alley in right center off Jose Barrio. So Indians up one to nothing right now on the Twinks. I'll go back to our first segment real quick before we get to a, a PGA Championship slash Tiger Woods making a big comeback on the back nine update desk. So the Twins, believe it or not, even though they've had a lot of uh, bad series against bad teams like Detroit and Chicago and Kansas City, Against arguably the three best teams in the American League, Houston, Boston, and Cleveland, they're 13 and 12 against those teams this year. Mm-hmm. And I know, small sample size alert. It's only 25 games out of your schedule. And, you know, in baseball, almost anybody can beat anybody in any given day. But that goes in line with my thinking that this season isn't as bad as a lot of fans would have you think with their overreactions. It's definitely a buzzkill season, it's not what we all thought. But when you can go toe-to-toe with Cleveland and Boston and Houston like that, and you've got some interesting, for sure, pitching pieces that you can move into next year, I'm not uh, I'm not hitting the panic button on this. It would be nice if Buxton and Sano had showed you something more than yeah, they have this year, but it hasn't been as bad as most people are framing it. And if, if you could have uh, consistently beaten the White Sox, Kansas City, and Detroit, and that's, I think, I think the frustration is the, st- the stat that you just gave and the success against good teams, and then you got these three teams in your division that are, I mean, you, you might not be good, but for the most part, they're awful, and you couldn't consistently beat them. And, and the post-All-Star break, uh, getting swept, uh, swept by Kansas uh, KC was the most frustrating, right? Yeah. Because that's the one where you go into there, and I think you had gone 9-2 and two on the previous homestand, and so you're like, oh, they're in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. And you go get swept by the Royals. They would be, that was a three-game series, right? Let's that's say right. they swept the Royals. Like, sure. Just get out there and sweep the, sweep the damn Royals. Very doable. They'd be 56-57 and 57 right now. Yep, and guys probably would still be around, which you could argue would be a bad thing, so who knows. Yeah, they are uh, against those teams. Let's see here. Uh, White Sox, they're 7-5 and five against. Eh. <laughs> they have a ton of games against Detroit still. They've only played six games against Detroit. They're 3-3 three and three in those six games, and they're 6-6 six and six against Kansas. They've played... Two games above 500 baseball against the three worst teams in the division. Yes. And they've played one game above 500 baseball against the three best teams in the American League. At least for my mind. You could make a case for the Yankees. They're in that mix. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, runners on first and second right now. Nobody out. Barrios grinding. He's throwing oh, some 35 pitches and three outs only recorded. Uh, Buxton is nearing activation and could be playing again as early as next week. For Rochester. For Rochester, right. right. But yeah. the point being, if he can get back next week for Rochester, that there's a fighting chance then that, that you could, uh, that once they're done in early September, he could come up here. Yeah. All right. Let's throw it to Dave Harrigan. The PGA Championship Update Desk, where our guy Eldrick has been grinding his butt off since a plus three start through two holes. The Mackie and Max roller coaster, baby. Here. 
Yeah. Yes, yes. He's only five back of the leader right now. Ooh. Even par for Tiger through, what, 17 holes now, I believe? Yes, yeah. indeed. And he's down the left in the fairway on the 18th. Oh, Ready boy. to get up and down from birdie. Tied with uh, Rory. Sure. Rory also even par uh, in the same group there. Uh, if we get to the top of the leaderboard, you won't not uh, you will not find Tiger Woods' name. You will instead find Ricky Fowler. Ricky, five under, two clear of the rest of the field. Ian Poulter, Pat Perez, Jason Day, Brian Gay, Brandon Grace, Ali Schneiderjan. Just a bunch of guys who rhyme. Who are these people? Austin Cook, all those guys at minus three. Get another pretty big group at minus two with Justin Thomas, Billy Horschel, Hideki. Matsuyama, hmm. Stuart Sink still hanging in there at two under par. Stuart Sink. Go Stuart! Stuart Sink. Go old man club. If you, would have, uh, if you would have asked me just three hours ago, does Stuart Sink still exist? I would have been like, I, I don't know. Is he, he won the British <laughs> Open, by the way. We were asking, when, he won a major, right, 10 years ago? He won the British Open in 2009 when Tom Watson, like 60-year-old oh, yeah. Tom yeah. Watson, yeah. had it on the 18th. And Tom Watson, I want to say he three-putted from about... 15 feet or something, and Stuart Sink yes. was there. They got into a playoff, and Stuart Sink wound up beating Tom Watson in a playoff. I think the uh, the email we got said he took an approach shot, Watson did, and blasted it over the green, then had to come back or something like that. Yeah. Uh, right now, the loser of the tournament at 11 over par is David Muttit? Mutit? M-U-T-T-I-T-T. Not going to be playing on the weekend. He's struggling anyway. Yeah, 11 over. Stuart Sink has only played in... One, two, three, four majors since 2014. How old you say he is now? 43? 45. Okay. His last top 10 in a major was the one he won in 2009, the Open Championship. I think he's had some back issues. and Interesting. I am, kind of a fun story. I am just exhausted fr- from this entire show watching Phil and Max as Tiger has gone up and down this r- roller coaster ride of his. There's been times I've turned around and Max is pumping his fist, and I've turned around and seen Max with his head buried in his hands, and yeah. I'm not joking. Max, how are you holding up there, man? This uh, He teed off four hours ago. We've been four and a half hours ago. A lot of my buddies are giving me flack for the the Tiger should withdraw tweet, because now he's obviously only five back. I love but how I, I'm like, I reached the lowest of the lows. You guys saw it? I, I was know, so I low, so fast. Would you say he's the favorite now, now that he's got it back to even? Like, it's... <laughs> I love the fact. I might put Ricky a little in. Young Max, you could you could count out Ricky of the weekend. He always for sure. I love Dave said. He's five shots back. Not not with Ricky leading. I love the fact that Young Max though immediately went hot take on Twitter. That's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Time to withdraw, Tiger. Today it's done. It's going to be a whirlwind of a weekend. I already know it. There's going to be so many ups, there's so many downs. He's been changing shirts too. He changed shirts after the first two holes because it's so sweaty. They're they're in Missouri in August. Swast problems as well. I don't know. He's got some light gray pants on, so he might be. It might. He might be able to hide it. I guess. Okay. Like the black pants would hide it for sure. <laughs> Sun- Sunday swass is going to be hidden. Yeah. The underwear situation too. You don't know what's going down. You could be going layers underneath. Who knows? And Nike might have some new underwear product yeah. that like only Tiger Woods gets to wear. Exactly. We don't know. Or bridge to maybe Bridgestone. Special, special cooling britches. That sounds yeah. nice. <laughs> bridges. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a built-in hand that just like no, no, gives, no, gives you an ice no, bath no, massage no, no. in your... No, let's end, let's end today's program before it goes any further. It's Jason Duffner's face just blowing on no. Oh, God, no. Just giving, no. A, you're giving your upper thighs a cool down. Oh, my 
I think we've hit the end. <laughs> I so many things I want to say now. I just want to be done. Oh, go I ahead and say them, no. Judd. Come on. No, no, because anything, you know, I'm not going to. Twins are uh, down one to nothing. <laughs> hey, how's the ball game going? Runners on second and third here with two outs now. Barrios is... Your guy Lindor at the plate. Find it. Yeah, this might not end well. So, All right. <laughs> It rarely does. Bye. You can find our stuff on demand. Mackie and Judd show page, 1500ESPN.com.